now. Three, two, one, go! What's up, everybody? Welcome in, and thanks for joining us for another episode of Cool Down Time. My name is Marco. I'm your graphically outdated host. Joining me is the technical mess of the show, the technical horror, if you will, since we're kind of in a little bit of a Halloween mood right now. We've got Pablo in the house. Uh, Pablo, look, man, um, it's Halloween season. We're here. A lot of of horror and spookiness going on out here. I thought I'd kind of... Stay in, in, the, in the Halloween spirit by asking you some icebreaker questions to get the show rolling, if that's okay with you. Uh, because, Let's do it. Because I'm, I'm curious to know, um, you know, I, I don't know how much of a horror movie connoisseur you are. By the way, you are, call me? are you a connoisseur oh. of horror movies? Do you like them? I do now. Okay. Um, what happened? I, well, Tell I mean, me as you know, Marco, as you know, <laughs> I grew up in a religious home. You did that, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so my dad being a pastor, mm. I wasn't really able to watch scary movies because the devil and so, right, so on right, and so right. forth. Uh, so in my later, uh, years, I've, I've seen the classics okay, and I have become a big fan of horror, but recent horror things, mm. you know? So okay. if you ask you what my favorite horror movie is, you're not going to hear Halloween or anything like oh, that. You'll hear question. more. Mm-mm. No, but I'm saying if somebody were to ask me that, you'll hear more like the Baba Duke or Hereditary or Midsommar or something like that. Like mm. those are like my wheelhouse kind of, um, of horror film and, and things like that yeah. now. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a little weird. Shit. It was weird back in the day when you were younger. I, I do, I do understand that. It was, especially when your father's throwing holy water at the TV. Kind of strange. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, my dad was a big horror fan, so I, I, I saw stuff way younger than I probably should have, and I turned out great. Um, but here's well, here's the thing. Um, I am curious to know, Pablo, this is a fun little question. What horror movie, if you were in it, would, do you think you had the best chance of surviving? All of them. No, 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 I, no, come on. Because I end up being, I'll end up being the killer in all of them. I no, 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 the, no, no, no. The guy... No, I don't know. Um, I think uh, the one that I would end up surviving uh, would be none of them. <laughs> really? You you think you got no shot against any? any I got no. Sh- I got. I got no shot, man. Mm. I got no shot of surviving. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a little, uh, I'm a little loud and obnoxious uh, within within people. Uh, when I'm around known people, and usually these horror films take place, you know, in groups with friends, and I, I'm always the first one to go, man. I, I, I'd be the first one to go, wow. actually. That is, yeah, that's not where I thought you. I thought you would probably have an answer, but that's that's very self aware. Uh, I applaud you for that. Um, I'd be done. I'd, I'd be. I, I would agree. I think I, th- I think you get dropped pretty early. You know, I want to have faith in my friends, but damn, I mean, you just you are a bullet sponge for everybody. <laughs> Jason would be like him first. <laughs> you. Let's do him. You <laughs> give me the Hulk Hogan point too. Um, I would say Chucky. I can survive Chucky. some Chucky. I got. I think I got. I got hands for Chucky. You know, little known fact. I don't know, man. Chucky was like, yeah. Chucky was pretty violent. He was. He, he was, was pretty tough. Out there, but here's the thing, Pablo. I took Taekwondo when I was six years old. So, oh, I'm sorry, Joe Rogan. I didn't know this was a Joe know, Rogan experience. Listen, if you don't know, uh, bodies. 
in my history. Yeah, took, you understand? Taekwondo when I was six and DMT when oh. I was seven. All right. See, don't 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 try to tether me to the wrong people. I'm just trying to tell people what I'm capable of, and you always got to mess it up. Um, I'm trying to. No, but actually, that's, that's funny. I get I get your logic. You know, I'm trying to be feared, and I think I think Chuck Chucky can't do that. Listen, I practice boxing my daughter's dolls all the time. They give me no trouble. What and can they he do? Be, they get the hands. That's right. No, what can I, that's he do? true. So. Um, and I also got another question for you, and this is kind of moving off of Halloween movies, but I want to I want to ask you this: what What would you say is your most irrational fear? Since we're talking about fear and spookiness and scares, what's your most irrational life fear? Just completely unfounded. Like, why do I? Why am I even afraid of this? This is silly, but I'm afraid of this. What What is it? Um, man, that's a good fucking question. Um, I don't know. Uh, uh the garbage disposal. Oh, uh, that's see that I, that's an interesting one. I, okay, I'm always like, yo, what if like my hand falls in the like? Why would my hand just go in there and then I have to reach around the and turn it on? And I I always like I make sure every time I do the dishes, I make sure that the garbage disposal is off, which it is because that shit is loud as fuck. Of course, as I would hear it from a mile away, I, I make sure. And then when something falls down into the little hole, I very carefully uh, try to take it, like if it's about to turn on on its own. <laughs> Uh, you know, and, and one of my favorite movies of all time is called Rolling Thunder, and it's like a movie from the 70s where this man loses his hand to a garbage disposal, and I watched that early on, so that's probably where that stems from. Oh, man. Uh, so, yeah. yeah uh, so, yeah, the garbage disposal is fucking terrifying. I didn't mean brother. to get into all this childhood trauma, man, but we got a lot of you. I'm so scared. Yeah, we got that. Your, your, your religious background, all kinds of stuff, man. I'm sorry about bringing all this up, up for you. but um, <laughs> I would say mine is I have an irrational fear of getting arrested for a crime I didn't commit. That's a good one, too. That, I don't know what it is, but it just it makes me freak out. I'm like, man, what would happen if I was like, and it was something terrible too, like murder or something. And you know, yeah. you know how everybody like automatically thinks you did it, and you're like, uh, I, I didn't do it. Yeah, sure. I buddy. have, <laughs> I, I have, the, I have the fear of that. Like, and actually, like the the uh, like a jury of your peers type thing. Like, you know, God forbid, oh. if like if I'm sleeping and my wife never wakes up. And they go, oh, she oh, died yeah. of like natural causes or a brain aneurysm. People will be like, yeah, but he did it. Yeah, str- or the, strangulation. The did he did that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'd right. be like, no, no, it wasn't. It wasn't me. I, I didn't do. I didn't. That's do it. what I'm and saying. I, come, I don't know yeah. how I'd react to that. And then you got to be in jail with the inmates that did do all the crimes, and now yeah. you got to like act like you blend in. I don't know how to blend in with them. I don't know how to walk in there and act like I. I mean, you, you took know. Taekwondo when you were six years old. So you don't can. don't throw that in my face. <laughs> don't do that. You had no right. Um, wow. Rude, disrespectful, uncoofed. But that is cool down time, ladies and gentlemen, uh, in a nutshell. Uh, but let's go ahead and get the show rolling, man, for real. Uh, we have a great episode this week. Let's start it doing what we always do. We talk about the games we've been playing since our listeners last heard from us. Uh, we call that loadout. So let's get started. All systems nominal. Loadout's ready. All right. So horror season is in full effect. It's only fitting that we get a brand new horror game to play, and this one has been uh, a 13-year wait, Pablo, since its original uh, launch back in the Xbox 360 era, uh, era. and we're, we're talking about Alan Wake 2 here. Um, we both own the game. Um, admittedly, I have not played it very much, uh, predominantly because there were some early bugs that happened in the beginning of the game that didn't sit well with me, so I'm kind of hanging back, waiting for a patch to drop. 
uh, just to kind of address some of those quirks so that I don't, you know, break immersion and kind of lose my interest because things are constantly taking me out of the experience. But uh, that's just me and my choice. I'm, I'm going to hold out for a couple extra days. But you have actually put in some decent amount of time into it. So I kind of turn oh, yeah. the floor over to you. Um, you are a fan of the first game. Um, I am extensively. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we're both big fans of Remedy. So I'm very curious to get your uh, your overview of how this game is doing so far. Yeah, man. Uh, Alan Wake 2 is a, a game that I've been waiting for probably forever. Um, um, I love Control, but admittedly, every time Remedy announced a new game that wasn't Alan Wake 2, I, there's a little slight groan there on my part. But finally, they did it. Uh, it the announcement sort of came out of nowhere and that it was going to be ready within the year, which I doubted. I think uh, one of my predictions was that the game was going to be delayed out of this year. And I'm glad it wasn't. You know, I, I think to start... I I have to say that Alan Wake 2 is an interesting sequel. It's it's not what I expected them to do. And a lot of that was kind of already shown in the previews. And I was like, okay, I wonder where they're going with this. And and it is unique. Uh, uh, it, it is unique. It is one part survivor horror game, one part weird literary meta narrative type of detective game, which, you know, I love those type of things. But I would have to say, I think with the time that I spent, I think it's about eight hours so far with, with the game. So far, this is shaping up to be Remedy's best game. I think they've taken the lessons from Alan Wake, even lessons from Quantum Break, definitely lessons from Control, and have applied them to this game and kind of reached another level with all those things. It is enthralling. It's interesting. It is confusing. And it's, and it's got me really, really hooked in, even with the confusion part of it. I think a lot of that stuff in the way they tell the story and how kind of, uh, not traditional the storytelling is i know that that can turn off some people and this game will definitely turn off some people because of that i, I like it I-, I really it really got me hooked uh i think Al- alan wick 2 is 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 a split narrative game i'll kind of break it down quickly you play you play as saga anderson uh who is investigating some murders at bright falls the original location of alan wake and then you're also playing alan wake who is stuck in the dark place uh, which in this case uh, alan wake is still even though he's been gone for so long, he still is within that time frame that he just went into the into this dark place. And so the dichotomy of those two things is very different. Both games play very both sides of those games played very very different. But it is it is very, 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 very um intense i'll say that i don't it's hard to really talk about the game because there's things that i want to kind of be specific about but i can't because you haven't played a lot of it but honestly spoilers there are certain scenes that i kind of want to elaborate on but i want you to experience those scenes that 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 turn out to be gruesome and and just kind of put you in really unease and i and i love that the game is taking that chance i I would say that admittedly that the story can feel a little lofty and sometimes seemingly getting a little high in its own supply its writing is superb but the fragmented storytelling uh can be maybe too confusing for some or a little too frustrating where it's like they don't tell you a linear story and they jump into these certain things that come together later, but they really are kind of like, I want to know what's happening and this game is not telling me anything. And it's a little frustrating because if, if you're not familiar with, with what's going on, uh, with the, with control and, and Alan Wake, I, I think that you're going to find yourself to be confused. I think this is one, it's a little daring by remedy to actually make a sequel to Alan Wake in the sense where you kind of have to know the lore of Alan Wake and control to really 
really appreciate everything that they're throwing at you because otherwise you're going to jump into this you will eventually understand what's happening for the most part but it takes some time and, and it is a little bit it could get a little bit in the way of some people's enjoyment of the game um but i will say uh, it plays like a traditional horror game over the shoulder with a shooting mechanic if you played the original you know that light plays a huge role in alan wake uh enemies are coated with this darkness and you break that with the light and then you can go ahead and do some damage with your gun all that it has stayed the same what really has changed here is kind of the world the and the ambiance where alan wake had that in spades but the graphic fidelity of this game and just the just how visually stunning it is adds to that experience in a way that I've not really uh, have experienced from a horror game in, in quite some time. The sense of place is just absolutely fantastic. Uh, and, and I will say, I know that Marco, you had some some technical issues up front. I had those same issues. I, I think that I think mileage were varied because I have seen some people online kind of complain about the, the the performance of the game in terms of certain little things that are happening with the audio. I have not experienced that past that that part but I'm, i won't take it away from anybody like you marco who wants to kind of go into it without any of those issues so that's totally understandable uh but honestly this game is probably the only game that i can say that has released this year in cur- and, and if jump in if you think that maybe there's another game that that you feel this way about that really feels next gen I mean, it is only on the next-gen consoles. Performance, uh, I'm playing on performance mode, and it's, it looks still looks absolutely gorgeous. I, I, th- just the things that they do with, with, with the lighting is is, is phenomenal. Uh, but yeah, man, I, some of these mechanics are just uh, they're incredible mechanics. I, again, I know that I'm being a little vague, because I, I want Marco to also go into those you know, mechanics blind, because they are really awesome, uh, and I think that they do a lot. To, to kind of add to, to what Alan Wake is and your expectations to Alan Wake. You have any questions in terms of what you may think? Uh, you know, know- no, 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 not not right now. I think I think just in terms of observations, um, you know, obviously the game got um, it's at a ninety on Open Critic, so clearly a critical uh, darling right now, which is great news uh, for Remedy. Um, I it's more of an observation than a question. I think it's just that um, I I think. Um, to me, and I've I've kind of talked about this in my own personal uh, social media accounts. I think that survival horror as a genre has really undergone quite a renaissance this year, uh, which I'm I'm really happy about as a big fan of 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 the genre. When you look at Resident Evil Four remake, uh, the Dead Space remake, both two really really good AAA games that uh, came out wonderful, and then you have the the grand return of Alan Wake and it turns out to be a, a huge success. Um, I think that speaks volumes about this genre kind of being worth um, worth its weight in gold. And I think it's great to see that um, this game can come back. And and really, again, thirteen years that's that is a hell of an obstacle uh, in terms of being a relevant franchise. All these years later, um, you have to count on people being willing to go back and look at the old game if they'd never played it before. Um, I think it was smart of them to that point to put out the remaster not too long ago to get that back in circulation so people can play it who are newcomers. Um, I just think it's a it's it's an incredible achievement uh, for Remedy to overcome all those obstacles, not only with the genre itself, but a dormant franchise. And, um, you know, obviously the, the, the concern of like, okay, is it going to come back and be as good as it was? 
and it, yeah. it it checked all the boxes. So it's just a big kudos to them, really. Yeah, and I think one thing that Remedy does, and I think that some people are 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 putting a light to this, is that they've they've actually like elevated the, the 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 genre the survival horror genre because there's a lot of things a lot of inspirations from resident evil games like a lot of a lot of not puzzle but like you can't go here yet you have to get this and come back to that you know that kind of like a resident evil with the doors yeah. you might need a key there's it, there's a light mechanic that works that way and i think that they really took they took that formula and then added all the the, the story elements and and just kind of that meta narrative and and obviously for those of you uh of Alan Wake in terms of how he narrates things. He putting all those things and making them all work and they really, really work really well. And then even even Sam Lake like really putting his heart and soul and his face onto the game and almost making himself a main character in a lot of ways in the game is is bold, but I, I like it because it really plays with all that stuff. And I know that meta narratives can be very like, you know, you, they, they can make people's, you know, roll their eyes because it, it is a little bit kind of like, ugh. But I think that they nail it because they, it, it's, it's, it's meta within the world they've created. They're not really trying to, to reach or break that fourth wall and, and, and kind of give a lot of narratives or, or talk about talking points about what's happening in our world. Rather, they're, they're really focused on their world. And I think that it's also kind of a great, uh, a great achievement by Remedy that not only have they kind of, uh, of evolved Alan Wake, but they've taken what they've done with control and, and really implemented into, it almost feels like control now in, in retrospect is, 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 is like a, a, a spiritual successor to Alan Wake and just, not just in the way it plays, but really in its story as well. And, and there's some connective tissues here that you're like, you know, you're doing the Leonardo DiCaprio meme where you're like smoking a cigarette and pointing at it. Like, oh yeah, I know what that is. <laughs> because it, 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 it's, it, it's so well done. And I, and I, and I urge people, and I know Marco, I think if I'm not mistaken, you might have on his, your Twitter page, you might have tweeted out a lore video. It's about an hour and a half. Yes. Uh, yeah. I, I definitely, and I know it sounds like homework to play a game, but I think you can enjoy this game on its own, but I also think that you will get a f- really uh, your full enjoyment if you play the games, control or, Alan Wake, or watch that video. I think that video does a really good job to kind of, I, I watched it as well and it, it kind of refreshed a lot of the little, little things that I might have been, would have not caught. And I, I don't think that the game's success hinges on your your extensive knowledge about the the Remedy shared universe, but it does help quite a bit to really find enjoyment in everything they do. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, yeah. I mean, hey, they got a great success on their hands. I hope it sells amazingly well. Um, I think that's probably my only concern. Is this is this going to be the commercial success they want it to be? Um, but other than that, great, great to see that you're enjoying it so far. And I'll probably have more to say about it next week when I uh, get my hands on it. Um, and uh, really dive into it. But um, we got to move on. Um, Marvel Spider-Man 2. So um, we obviously had a very extended conversation about the game last week um, with our first impressions. We gave like an eight-point analysis of what we thought about the game. Uh, we have both since rolled credits on Spider-Man 2. We're not going to talk as long-winded as we did the first time around because we got a lot of stuff out already. Um, I think this is more of a circle back to kind of see um, what's changed about our perspective, um, what's the same about our perspective, and where we ultimately land uh, with this game. Um, I'll, I'll kind of jump in first. Um, to me, I, you know, one of the things I said last week is if uh, Spider-Man 1 and Miles Morales were the alley-oop pass, I wanted Spider-Man 2 to be the emphatic dunk. Um, and I, I, I called it more of a layup 
uh, last week. And, and I still stand by that. I think it's more of like a smooth finger roll layup than maybe <laughs> the Tim Duncan bank shot off the glass type of thing. But still a, a, a really good layup for Insomniac. Um, in terms of the strengths, I really liked the story. Uh, I liked the traversal. Um, and I think the combat might be um, one of my favorites in a video game. Um, and that's not something I expected to say, but I just had so much fun with it. It's not, it's not, you know, gonna, it's not gonna make you think it's not a thinking man's game per se from a combat perspective, but in terms of sheer fun, I just really enjoyed what I was doing in in the combat system. Um, and I think for weaknesses, I think the game's reliance on puzzles got really old to the point where I skipped pretty much as many of them as I possibly could. Um, the collectathon content just didn't get any more engaging for me throughout the game. And, um, you know, the more I played of the game and just getting used to the presentation, I think, again, the faces and the character models to me just looked like everybody had butterface and looked strange. <laughs> and, um, so, you know, ultimately I, 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 I consider this game to be uh, a, a top 10 game for me at the moment. Um, not really a top fiver at this stage of the game. I'll have to reevaluate as more time passes, but uh, it's certainly a game that I think can crack the list. Um, but I just think that it was a very safe play on the part of Insomniac, but a very well done safe play uh, with, with all yeah. with all its flaws and all of its you know letdowns. There are a lot of really good strengths and things that they just remain consistently great at that um, I don't want to knock them for doing because uh, I, I don't want them to reinvent the wheel just for the sake of it. So really good game, and I enjoyed myself quite a bit but how about you yeah i mean i think uh, a lot of what i said last week is pretty much stays the same except the things that i really liked i think i loved and the things that i really disliked i think i hate you know i think that the the things that worked really well like mile morales story the technical aspect that game throws so much shit at you and it never slows down uh the traversal the broad strokes of the story were really dope venom's design his characteriz- characterization is great pete and harry's relationship and their friendship i love that um and the set pieces not the sandman opening notwithstanding i i think those were like absolutely amazing however um my my gripes are with pete's story i think that they just rehash too much of what we know about peter parker from the first game and uh, i i just didn't i never i never felt as compelled or as in as as invested in peter as i was with miles uh and, and what he had going on uh you know i i i add myself to the to the legion of people who hate the, the mary jane missions it's just i have problems that that just i i can't i can't rectify i can't really come to 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 to, to understand why these even exist but uh and then the things that lead up to major story moments I just feel like there's, there's a lot of stuff lacking in between. I told Marco that the great set pieces and were like were like things that were were drawn with perfect precision and rulers with the pencil and everything leading up to that were drawn in with crayon. It just felt a little bit over the place and, and just a little bit kind of like they, this game is not long. And I still felt like they, they rushed some some aspects of the story. One of the things that I would say that flipped for me. Uh, was Craven's story. I don't think he's, it was executed 
great, but I do think that Craven is a very difficult character to get right, and I think that they did the best that they possibly could. Uh, the same thing with Venom. Venom is notoriously difficult to get right, and I think that they've nailed that, and that's and that's huge, uh, in, 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 in my opinion. But ultimately, for me, I kind of fall in the same place with you. I know for a fact it's not one of my top five games, you know, looking at my top five games of the year so far, there's no, there's no way this cracks at it, but it is still an exceptional game in many ways. Traversal is 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 the most fun I had. I do I do disagree with you on the combat. I did I still feel kind of the same way where I feel like the combat just feels very much waiting for the special thing to to to, to fill up and then pressing that. Uh, it looks cool. Not not taking that away, but after seeing it uh, so many times, it was just okay. It, it was it, I got it got old pretty quick for me, but. Ultimately, this still is a top 10 game for me. It is, it is going to assuredly uh, stay there and within my top 10. Uh, and, and it's, and it's, and it's a good game. It, it is a really, really good game. I, I, I have to give props for them. You know, getting these things right is hard and they took a big swing with Venom and Craven, notoriously difficult villains to get, to get right. And I think that they pretty much nailed it for, uh, for what it's worth. So and that's where I'm at. Why does Craven look like? Elias from the WWE. I thought he looked like Seth Rollins. Oh, uh, it looks like Elias. <laughs> My friend Will, friend of the show, he mentioned it. Uh, we were talking in an email, and I'm like, oh, he's right. <laughs> I knew he looked like somebody familiar. I'm like, but damn, he looks just like Elias. Anyways, uh, people are like, who are you talking about? Don't worry about it. Uh, if you're a wrestling fan, you know what I mean. But um, listen, that's our loadouts this week. Uh, we should have more uh, interesting stuff to talk about in the weeks to come as well. But that's going to do it for us for now. Up next, we need to get to the news segment of the show, Pablo. We call that Hit Points. For breaking news, rumors, and booty juice, it's time for Hit Points. All right. So we got some interesting stories to walk through this week, Pablo. Let's 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 do that. Let's walk through these. Let's take our time and kind of unpack these together because this is interesting topics here. Uh, and let's start with the first item on our list. Uh, if you could take it away. Yep, that first item is Xbox related. During the Xbox Partner Event Showcase, Konami revealed the first in-engine pre-alpha footage of Metal Gear Solid Delta Snake Eater, which is being built on or in. Unreal Engine 5. Now, what do we think about the footage? Do we trust that Konami, the very trustworthy Konami, will do a good job with this remake? Marco, what did you what did, what was your takeaway from what you saw? Um Okay. So here's the deal. The, the pre-alpha footage looks good. Looks good. Looks very interesting. Looks good. It looks yeah. like it's up up to date. Um, it looks modern. It's all fine and dandy. Here's here's my inherent problem. This has got to be the most sterile, driest rollout I have seen for a, a Metal Gear project in my life. There's no excitement. There's no buzz. There's no flair. There's no like cinematic quality to it. All we got was a bunch of like disjointed clips of like extremely basic scenes of navigation and wildlife. And it was just so drab to me that it almost feels like Konami isn't even excited themselves about this game. It just, everything about this seems incredibly off. And it, I think that's what's really getting in the way of my excitement right now. It It's just like how it was revealed. It was sandwiched in between 
a bunch of other random nonsense games at this uh, partner event showcase. And I'm not knocking those other games, but let's be real. It wasn't exactly a banger showcase by any means. And here's Metal Gear just happens to be right in the middle of it all as if it's just any other game. And it's like, where is the prestige? Where is the like, okay, here's our one last thing kind of like, you know, emphasis or something. There was nothing there. And it just feels like, Konami's almost trying to bury this or either that or they just don't know how to roll out games anymore and they revealed this way too soon like it's great that it's an Unreal Engine 5 but why am I looking at a pre-alpha version of this game why is that happening why are you making why why not just wait until the game is ready to be rolled out the right way with a with a good trailer where you can show characters you can show dialogue you can show more interesting moments in the game so that people who are both new and old metal gear fans can come in and and all be excited about this in a bigger way like this feels such so so lazy and i hate that word because i don't like the lazy dev stigma we talked about it a few weeks ago but man this feels lazy to me dude yeah, I don't get it. I, I don't understand um, how in this Xbox partnership event that had a lot of games that, you know, a lot of people never heard of, a lot of people were not going to play, and this didn't even close out the show. This was literally, like you said, right in the middle. Um, yeah, I don't know. I This is desperately missing Kojima, obviously. Oh. You know, he would never let this stand. And I wonder if, if, if Konami is still being a little salty, knowing that this is Kojima's creation, and just kind of being very much like, okay, we're, re- we're doing this because we know the money's in it, but we're not going to give it the prestige or respect that it deserves because fuck Kojima. Obviously, that's tinfoil hat Pablo here talking. But it, it just feels very weird that they would... First of all, show pre-alpha, and then second, show it in a in an event where it's not even treated as something that is oh, holy shit. Because it was holy shit the fact that it was even there, uh, and, and um, yeah, and even its initial release, its initial trailer, which was like it surprised a lot of people because of what it was. That trailer sucks balls. It's it just, terrible. It lacks vision in, in in every possible way. So, I I I. I'm excited for this because obviously Snake Eater is one of my favorite games of all time. But I, I will I will say um it is a little bit concerning that they're not really putting much effort into the into the way that they're talking about the game. Uh they have they, they're leaving it up to, to YouTubers to compare the fact that, hey, did you notice the way that Snake moves in the remake, he, it was exactly like MGS5. So like uh it, that that would be huge to point out the fact that we're using Metal Gear Solid 5's combat and, and and movement and traversal to do because that that say what you will about five MGS five Phantom Pain the the gameplay was top notch excellent and the fact that if they implement that into this so many things that they could have talked up and it's a sterile fucking I don't did I, correct me if I'm wrong. The the theme song wasn't even playing or anything it was like some, that. Like, it was some Metal Gear Solid 3-ish sounding background music, but it was certainly nothing that would be like, oh, I know that one. It's it was nothing like that. Yeah, so. a lot a lot of people were like questioning because there was no voices or anything, and they're still kind of working something out with voices because I know a lot of things that they were going to reuse the old audio. Are, and yeah. There's there's a lot of conversations in terms of what this means, but. I don't think that this is nothing. I don't think what your point you brought up, I think that there's something there. Either, like you said, Marco, either this game is so far away that they're kind of being coy, 
or that this is going to be a remake, sure, but there's not going to be much put into it other than the visual aspect of it, which would be okay, but I would understand why it's not a big deal for them. But I don't know. I, I, I honestly don't know what the fuck is happening. Um, I hope it's great. I love Snake Eater, uh, and I hope it, it turns out great. But it is concerning a little bit with the rollout uh, of it all because it, it's fucking weird. I, I, I will admit that. Yeah, I mean, when you look at what happened with the Metal Gear collection um, and Ugh. the lackadaisical effort that they put into um, making those those games look and run well on modern hardware, which they basically did nothing. I mean, right now... Literally, the modding community in a matter of days has done more for those games than Konami has the entire time this collection was being put together. And that's sad. Usually, modders are supposed to be the ones to kind of enhance and expand and, um, you know, it prolong the game's, you know, life by giving it, you know, weird little quirky things and, you know, little up resin stuff to do every couple of years to make it look up to speed. They're literally salvaging Konami's project. So it's like okay, so you you can't even get the old the old remasters right without phoning those in. You can't get your remake right without making that look. It, it looked so early that it looked like we shouldn't even have seen it. Like I I felt like right. I wasn't even supposed to be looking at it. That's how bad it was. And it, it's it's just like okay, at what point Konami are you going to check in the fucking game and take this Metal Gear shit seriously? Because I'd rather them not do anything at all if they're just going to take the series and go, eh, let's just plop it on next gen consoles with all the old games and let's just make the MGS three thing prettier and let's call it a day. Like you got to do more than that. And it's just weird that that they did what they did and they don't have somebody that's like out there in the community speaking about the game either. Ko- Kojima was a lot more than just somebody who put together a great trailer and a great visionary. He was a guy you can put on an interview to talk about those games and hype them up with his, you know, his philosophies and his themes and all that stuff. Take him for what, what you will. I have my problems with Kojima plenty, but he's a guy that, you know, the, the cameras are drawn to him, for lack of a better term. They don't have that person with this at all, and it shows. You could feel it. It just feels like there's this mysterious, clandestine group of people making this and putting it out, and they don't want to be seen, and they don't want to be talked to. And it's just very yeah. bizarre. So, At least fucking try, you know? At least put some effort into it. And that's the problem. No effort into this just seems to, like, cast a little bit of shadow of a doubt on will Metal Gear Solid Delta Snake Eater even be good, you know? Well, we'll see uh, when we see the next pre-alpha footage of this again. But, uh, Pablo, let's go ahead and move on. Um, Not too sure this is any better news because, man, PlayStation has got a lot going on behind the scenes, my friend. Uh, That's because uh, their head of production, Connie Booth, has been abruptly fired, and her entire team has also allegedly walked out upon the news of her departure. Now, uh, Connie Booth, head of production, if you guys are going like, who? Uh, She's basically the person who's kind of helped string together all the games you love that come out on PlayStation, so she's kind of a big deal. Uh, now, now, <laughs> David Jaffe, um, formerly of Sony, creator of God of War, uh, he's the one who kind of first brought this whole news to light. Um, and he's now suggesting um, that Jim Ryan is responsible for firing her uh, because apparently, and this is just, 
you know, he didn't confirm this. He was just kind of implicating that uh, because Jim Ryan was forced out of Sony for his whole contentious games of service direction, he actually fired Connie in a last act of pettiness because she was one of the people that stood against his whole games of service pivot in the first place. So it's basically, I'm my way out the door, uh, you're fired kind of a thing. Uh, his sources also claim that it was the cancellation of Factions 2 that was really the final straw for all of this, as it caused a huge uproar from several of Sony's first-party studios that were all forced into making live-service games, just like Naughty Dog had been. Um, so, Pablo, considering everything that I just went over, um, you know, and, and if, if this behind-the-scenes stuff is really true, um, what do you think about the internal warfare that's going on at Sony? Yeah, I mean, this is a company that's in disarray. I, I, I think that, um, unfortunately, uh, or fortunately, in terms of what this is going to end up, you know, dulling out, is their game as service uh, pivot has not worked. And not only has it not worked financially, but it has created strife within those uh, amazing studios. And so that's that's just a complete bummer right now because obviously we all know that PlayStation is is currently the the, the market leader in terms of, of new consoles out and, and, and all that and they make incredible games let's get that right but the fact that we're seeing this internal strife currently and the fact that people are losing their jobs based on some fucking idiot's pettiness because he couldn't do his job right is is absolutely Terrible! It's torp. Make Con- make Connie Booth the damn uh, CEO, <laughs> uh, rehire her. Do some because sh- I mean she seems to know what's up. She seems to know exactly what what PlayStation fans and video game fans want. And the fact that she got the boot because hey, I told you so. That's fucked up. And I think that PlayStation has a lot of work to do because right now, uh, if you're a casual PlayStation fan or a casual video game fan, this is not going to affect you today. But believe me. Any kind of large-scale strife that happens within a, a company will eventually uh, leak onto the consumer. We will see the effects of this. Already, you have studios who have pro- pro- probably uh, paused production on things that we want, like The Last of Us 3, and to, to do something like Faction 2. And so that means that games like that, we won't see for a very, very long time. And that's all because of what uh, Jim Ryan decided was best for PlayStation. And so uh, this is unfortunate. I, you know, I did say a couple of weeks ago that if it turns out that this is more than just Jim Ryan retiring, I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, and here I am. Color me not surprised, man, because this is, it's, it's terrible. It's happening. But I will say, um, the fact that this stuff is coming to light, I hope that this kind of pushes Japan and whoever's in charge of, of, of a PlayStation going forward to really rectify and, and kind of fix, you know, what's happening. Basically, what Phil Spencer did with Xbox, PlayStation is going to need that. And you might think to yourself, if you're a PlayStation fan, why would it? Spider-Man 2 just came out. They're, they're 45 million consoles sold right today. But again, we're, this is all about longevity and, you know, this will hurt them if this continues. Luckily, we already know that, that Jim Ryan is, is, is on his way out. And hopefully that these four, five, six months of, of, of problems don't amount to much uh, in terms of what the future of PlayStation is. But, you know, I, I hope I hope I hope I hope the best for, for PlayStation. I really do. But this is this is uh, I'm worried. I will say as much. Yeah, it's really concerning, man. I mean, it's like. The company's sort of imploding 
on itself right now in terms of its organization and its team. Um, and there's a lot of different takeaways to pull from this. I think, you know, holistically, I think this is, if true, it's a terrible look for PlayStation's team. Um, and I think it's all the more reason why several episodes ago, I kind of theorized that this is J- Japan has had enough of all this. The Japan part yeah. of Sony is like, is, is, is sick of all these cracker ass crackers <laughs> make <laughs> making these goofy decisions being petty being cutthroat being illogical being irrational um politicking all while kind of riding this wave of success with the playstation 5 sales and in games um you know coming out to strong reviews and, and great sales. spider-man 2 2.5 million in the first day that's crazy Amazing. so yeah Amazing. it's easy to look at those numbers and go whoa why should they be worried well it the, the people who are in those offices are the people who make these things happen and when you're taking the most important or arguably one of the most important people out of the equation that being connie booth um who's the reason why you essentially have Spider-Man 2 to play, um, that's extremely worrisome. Now, I think I think this is, in a weird way, this is very presidential of Jim Ryan. You know how, like, when a president's run is over, they start giving out them random-ass pardons at the end of their term? Yeah. It's like, okay, Kodak Black is out of jail. <laughs> cool. This is almost like the reverse of that, where before I leave, everybody that I hate is going down <laughs> like that. Yeah. That's what this feels like to me. And, um, all the more reason why you got to get this guy out. Um, he's a black hole. Um, if that's, if that's what he's out here doing, especially to people who are as instrumental to PlayStation success as Connie Booth is, which is not what he is. Um, it, it it's, it's just a the shame. opposite. It's, it's almost the opposite. It's like taking credit for what everybody else did as if he did it. And, and then his own personal decision sucked so bad that he doesn't even want to be around to watch his ideas fail. Um, so yep. yeah, congrats on your way out. Enjoy your golden Jip- parachute. But look, J- Japan saw the the game plan and they said they Nani? were like that. We Nandale, they's like no, nah, we out. Um, so I think this this gives credence to to me that they are going to restructure the hell out of uh, the PlayStation organization. It's going to be a very different situation uh, in the coming months and years. I think we're going to see a lot of new faces. Um, and it wouldn't surprise me at all if it's not a lot of Western or European faces. Uh, to be to be blunt. Um, last thing I'll say, and this is going to sound a little console worried. I'm not trying to make it that way, but if I am Philip Spencer, <laughs> I'm calling Connie up. Connie Khan, come over here, man. We got something for you. We got, we got, we got a, we got a spot for you right here. Um, that wasn't a pat on his lap, by the way. I don't want to make Phil sound creepy, but I'm just saying <laughs> I would take somebody like this. If, if, I mean, look. if she's not retiring, that is, and she still wants yeah. work. I, this is the perfect you think about all of Xbox's issues right with first party over the years and just not getting games to the finish line the right way this is the person that mitigates so many of those problems and if you can get somebody like her on the green team whew, that's crazy I mean I, let's go crazy Marco let's have uh, Phil Spencer call up Japan and be like hey what's going on with places <laughs> <laughs> what can we do <laughs> how much you want how much you want yeah man i hope that this works out i mean look again this is definitely going to be console worry uh look at what xbox is doing they're they're they're, they're promoting within sarah bond just like they just the, the, just so crazy man we, we've talked about the this. contrast when xbox when uh, xbox is 
their lowest, PlayStation is killing it. And when PlayStation is fucking failing in all aspects, Xbox is out here killing it. It's so crazy. And Nintendo off to the side just doing what's happening? <laughs> X Microsoft makes video games? <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> they're middle they're in the middle of drawing out their ninety eighth patent patent for like a handheld yeah. and going, Oh, what's going on over there? That's so weird, man. But uh What's VR? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, Nintendo never change, but please change. Yeah. Um anyways, yeah. It's uh it's it's bizarre times at PlayStation. I know a lot of hardcore PlayStation fans um you know, have a hard time reconciling that things are getting bad when they see Spider-Man come out, when they see PlayStation number 1 in the uh yeah, I don't think they call them NPDs anymore, but the Circana top 10 chart thing. Um, it's hard to say, oh, PlayStation's failing. Um, it, it, and you'd think it'd be a narrative. But again, the organization of PlayStation is what is in the biggest state of flux. And unfortunately, um, those are the people who are most influential to the success of a console. So yeah, and it's been great for them up until a point. But Now's where it's going to get a little bumpy because you don't just you, you don't have a CEO. You you do not have a CEO of PlayStation. You don't have that, and that's just that's bad as your, it is. It's true, and just look at your 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 history within the industry. When Don Matrick was running Xbox into the ground, they got the Xbox One, and it had to be rescued. And look, just look at that. Look at look at what one uh, a team of people who don't know what the fuck they're doing can do uh and how much influence they have and what that can be and just look at at what PlayStation is doing right now you know like i i mean it's 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 getting bad in there and they have and it it looks like the thing that they do have going for them is that uh this dude's out is uh, uh Ryan's out, out the door yes uh and i hope that you know i hope that Either Connie Booth gets a chance somewhere else, or even PlayStation comes back and be like, "Hey, how about you come back to us? Um, you know, we understand and appreciate your con- contributions to us. Well, we'll see what happens." Yeah. But there's yeah. a lot left here. Yeah. Last point I want to make is it, it, I want to kind of touch on the because I think one thing that crossed my mind was like, okay, if Jim Ryan is going scorched earth and he's just getting people out the door, why wouldn't that get overruled? At this point, why would that not? And and I think my my personal answer to that is, again, I don't think Japan gives a damn anyway. I think they're about to wipe all these people out at some at some point or another. And we're going to see a lot of big names losing their jobs and they're just going to restructure that whole branch entirely. So I think that this point they're like, hey. She was kind of expensive anyway. Why don't we just get rid of her and we'll we'll go along with it and we'll we'll get some new people in that seat anyway. It's all good. But a fair bit of warning to that point as well, Marco, is overcorrection is the thing. Yes, it is. And if, and if Japan goes a little too far, they can just make a bigger mess of things. So yeah. hopefully they they have the game plan and that is and it works out because look, as as people who love video games, PlayStation is 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 essential to to our daily hobby here, and we would love PlayStation to continue its success beyond just a PlayStation Five. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Great way mm-hmm. to end that one. Uh, Pablo, you have the third and final hit point news item. Go ahead and kick it off. Yes, yeah, it's a it's a weird one. Uh, Ubisoft financial report states that 
their new large game, quote, uh, uh, that was slated to release by the end of March 2024 has been delayed. Though not specifically named, it is believed that that game in question is actually Star Wars Outlaws. According to Ubisoft and why they made the decision, it was based on the fact that they felt that the overperformance of Q2 uh, was the reason that they delayed it because they want to maximize, quote, maximize its value creation. I... I don't know what the fuck they're talking about. Uh, there's a lot of corporate lingo here just to say, sorry guys, we were a little overambitious about Star Wars Outlaws release and it's been delayed. Uh, what do you think? Do you think that we're even seeing Star Wars Outlaws next year? And is there more to come on Ubisoft in terms of delays? Because I, I feel like there's there's something here not being said. Uh, because if, if you can just, if, if you were just to delay this game, just delay it, just say that. But the way they're going around it, it just seems a little weird to me. Um, it's, it's interesting because I can answer this question in a non-Ubisoft way and I can answer it in a Ubisoft way. The, the non-Ubisoft yeah. answer, if I'm just speaking generally, um, their reasoning about maximizing value creation by moving it out of Q2 next year, it does make sense in, on paper because you don't want to sandwich your game in between a, a stacked lineup of, of competitors um, and get kind of drowned out. Now, I don't think Star Wars as an IP has the potential of of running that risk because it's Star Wars, but right. I think it is also the debut of a new IP as well. So there's a contrast there where it's like, yeah, we know Star Wars, we don't know this. How is that going to work? Um, so I, I I get that it makes more sense to kind of hold out if, if, um, if I'm making this game. Now, the Ubisoft part of my answer is, I think this probably speaks to maybe them not having a lot going on next year and they, they don't want to, they're, they're even more paranoid about the Q2 oversaturation issue because they know they don't have a lot going on. I mean, they have the Prince of Persia game coming out in January. I even if that turns out great, it's not going to be a, a earth shatterer, right? Like we, we all kind of right. can tell that. I mean, they, they have avatar coming out in December, so that's not really going to play too much of a factor either. What else are they doing between January and December of next year that they can speak of? So I think I think in that sense, they have to... They, they're probably desperate to make sure this has the most airspace to itself as possible because it might be one of the few things they actually have going for them next year. Yeah, I here, here's my thing with that. And, I, and, and you're right, because like, on paper that makes a lot of sense, but... I'm pretty sure they have their big next uh, Assassin's Creed game coming out at the end of next year. Uh, so the fact that they are taking this out of Q2, which, you know, it's just basically uh, the, the 2D side-scrolling Prince of Persia game into uh, uh, later on, which is Q4 and later, possibly even later, is the fact that they have probably what is their biggest franchise in terms of of, 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 uh, of sold uh, units in, in Assassin's Creed. So it's like, maybe Assassin's Creed isn't coming out next year. Maybe this is kind of things to come for Ubisoft. I guess that's like what I'm said. theorizing. Maybe, yeah, yeah. Maybe they have jack shit. Maybe, uh, you know, whatever the next uh, big game is, it is Star Wars Outlaws, and maybe they've already made that decision without saying. So I always thought that was interesting. That's why I brought it up here, because I thought, are they telling us something without telling us? Mm, you know, so, yeah. yeah. So I feel like maybe that, that could be it. 
Well, we will be talking about yep. uh, Star Wars Outlaws in just a few minutes here uh, in our checkpoint chat. But before we get there, Pablo, listen, if listeners have made it this far, if you enjoy what you've been hearing from us so far, uh, we'd really love it if you consider subscribing to our podcast. We're a, a small time show, just two guys, two dads, two hardworking guys that just want to sit down and talk about games for a while. Uh, and so your support really does mean the world of us because we don't we don't paywall anything. We're not uh, biased console warrior types that are just trying to put agendas out there. Uh, we really try to approach our program uh, with a bit of an earnest approach. I think works pretty well, other than our bad jokes every now and again. But hey, uh, great jokes. No one's perfect, uh, Pablo especially. Um, so look, if you enjoy us, listen, we're, we're right where you found us. Uh, but just in case you're curious, you can also catch us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or Google or anywhere that you typically stream podcasts or even music. Um, and you can also leave a nice review for us while we're there. That helps push us up the search results and helps more people find us. And for those of you who have done yeah. that for us recently, believe us, we've seen uh, an uptick and we're really uh, you know grateful for that because it goes a long way for a show like ours. So uh, hope you join us and uh, listen. It doesn't cost you anything to subscribe anyway. If you fall out of love with us, you can always break up via unfollowing, and we won't write you an angry letter or uh, you know have any 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 bitter segment against you. So don't worry. Oh about no, it. I'll find you by name. I'll dox you. I'll Not tell everybody dox. where you live. <laughs> this man, I'm crazy, man. It, oh, well, we know. Um, all right, let's go ahead and get to the main event of cooldown time, and that is the checkpoint chat. <laughs> It's time for the Checkpoint Chat. All right. So, yeah, interestingly, we talked about a game coming out in 2024, and that kind of segues perfectly into our topic this week, which is our big 2024 games preview. Uh, we do this uh, every single year. It's, it's part of our tradition on the show uh, where we look at some of the most notable games that we know of that are uh, either confirmed or tentatively confirmed to be coming out uh, the subsequent year. And we give our hype scores for each game and talk a little bit about why. Uh, we have, uh, you know, our scale is pretty easy to follow. It's a scale of zero to five. You know how it probably goes. Zero being not interested at all. Why does this game exist? To five, get me this game immediately kind of a thing. So uh, we're going to run through our list here. We have quite a hefty uh, amount of games to talk through, Pablo. So we're just going to kind of go round robin, uh, introduce each game real quick, give our scores, explain why, and keep it rolling. And uh, we'll see where we land. And listeners, uh, follow along with us and uh, think about what you would give as a hype score for some of these games as well. Uh, so, Pablo, why don't we start off with a game that we saw debuted at the Xbox uh, Showcase, um, and that is 33 Immortals. Very unique game here. 33 yep. people playing together uh, in a very Hades-like looking kind of game. Um, a lot of people had their eyes on this one. Where do you stand? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm i at a three with it. I think that conceptually it's very interesting. I think uh, seeing Phil Spencer playing it with, with a whole bunch of people was was really cool. And you can really understand kind of how, how fun this game can actually be and, and, and just kind of the mechanics. Of the, it just it, – it just it's unique and it looked like it worked really, really well. Uh, you know, it is still kind of like a, a question mark in terms of whether or not it will have any kind of staying power. But I am I – am, it, it has piqued my interest and so I do have it at a three. Yeah, same. Uh, I think it's a great Game Pass pickup just off the fact that uh, of what the game is is 
uh, about with 33 people playing together, you kind of have to have a fairly large pool of people to pull from. Uh, I don't know if it's like cross play or anything in this game at all. I don't know about that, but um, it, you kind of need to have a good uh, amount of players for this game to, to work, I would imagine. So a uh, smart move on, on both parties to, to get this on Game Pass, and it looks good. Um, I have my doubts about the art style looking a little too much like a Hades copycat. That always kind of rubs me the wrong way when I see things look a little too close to their inspiration. Uh, and I'm, and I'm not sure what the gameplay is going to be like when everything's all said and done, but the premise itself is very unique, so I have it at three as well. Um, moving on, we have uh, we talked about some survival horror comebacks earlier in the show. We have another comeback that's on the horizon, but this one is Alone in the Dark. Pablo, what are you thinking here? Yeah, I have no kind of experience with Alone in the Dark. I my only exposure to Alone in the Dark was that Christian Slater movie that they made that was Ooh, absolutely that was awful. And then yeah. <laughs> and there was a game that came out recently, maybe like six or seven years ago, that I played that was also kind of terrible. Uh, dabbled with, so I really have no nothing about Alone in the Dark really piques my interest. But I mean. With the advent of survival horror, I, I gave it a, a, a I gave it a merciful one. Maybe it could be like the next survival <laughs> horror game that I'm like, oh shit! So I'm at a one. Yeah, I got a two for this one. Um, I always have a special place in my heart for the weird and wonky, low budget horror games. Um, I don't know why. It just it reminds me of the PS2 era where there were so many of them in abundance, and this feels a lot like that. Um, you know, in, in its comeback, um, the demo didn't do a lot for me. Uh, to to be honest with you, but um, I I think there were a couple of traces of things they were doing that I did find intriguing that I'm curious to see more about. So I'll, I'll probably like gamefly this or something like that. But um, I, it's not a game that I'm like, oh my god, I cannot wait to get my hands on this. So I'll give it a two and, um, for me. And it's one of those games that comes out like next year, right? Like early next year, January. Yeah, it was game. supposed to come out this year and they got delayed. I think. Yeah. yeah so. Yeah, they, they said they delayed it not for performance or anything, but because it was stacked, uh, and so they wanted it to – whatever that is. But uh, a lot of people will probably play it because, you know, in January, there's not much at the forefront. So yeah. it could get some, some play. We'll see. Well, up next, Pablo, we have uh, an Xbox-exclusive first-party title, Avowed. Um, what are you thinking here? I'm at a three with Avowed. I, I – I, you know, I'm still kind of reeling from what they promised and what they showed. Uh, Obsidian is fantastic and what they do. Um, it's just, I, I, I want to see more, uh, you know, just look at the, where, where the inspiration comes from, which was Skyrim. And I'm not a huge Elder Scrolls fan myself. So already this is kind of not speaking to me, but again, it, Obsidian is Obsidian. And so very intrigued into what, the final product will be uh, and how it plays. Uh, so I, I'm at a three. Yeah. Intrigued is the operative word. I think I, f I feel the same about this game. I also have a three uh, as well. I, I'm not as hung up on the art style as many people are. Um, I think that obsidian, especially when you look at the outer worlds that had a unique palette of its own. And it, it, it feels like there's a lot of that same DNA or maybe you could even go as far as to call it a signature art style at this point for obsidian could be, yeah. um, that I noticed for sure. I think, I think my biggest thing is what, what is going to truly set this apart from every fantasy first person RPG ever? What is going to be un Skyrim about this, but in a good way, you know, like what are the things that are going to really differentiate this other than just the color palette being more vibrant and, and, and beautiful or whatever, or cleaner or whatever it is. Like 
it, I'm looking for that one thing. And I guess my big disappointment with the way it was presented during the showcase for Xbox earlier this year was that they didn't really give you anything that answered those questions. It was like, here's a trailer and it looks a little yeah. different than you last saw it. We'll see you next year. And that it felt a little bit like, wait, but what, what, I mean, and there's another game we'll talk about shortly where I felt the same way towards Xbox. We're like, okay, but what, what am I looking forward to? And I just didn't feel like I got an yeah, answer. Yeah. So that's why I got to keep it at three. Yeah. I mean, also, I think kind of looking what they did with Outer Worlds, that's why I don't feel like Avowed is going to be much different from what their inspiration is because Outer Worlds is basically their fallout. And it's, you know, there's not a lot about Outer Worlds that's different. You know, it's funny, it's weird, kind of like Fallout is in a lot of ways. So I'm thinking maybe Avowed is going to be their version of Skyrim, a little bit more serious, but still going to be that kind of that experience. But I, I hope I hope you're right. I hope it it stands out because that that would that would really be great. Yeah, it's got it's got dark horse potential for me. I will say that 100. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, now next game on our list, Pablo, Black Myth. Who come? Oh, Kyle. Not to be confused with Whoa, long. <laughs> oh, Fallen Dynasty. <laughs> I hurt my throat when I did that right now. Wow. Yeah, I hurt my throat. I should remember that I record a podcast. Um, mm-hmm. All right. All jokes aside, Black Myth Wukong. What's going on, man? What are you thinking? I got it, too. I had it. Honestly, it kind of rose up. I had it at a zero. I was like, hey, I'm a little more interested in zero, if I'm being honest. But then I went to because of the just... Lies of P came out, really shocked me, and how good it was in terms of. I knew it. Yeah, because that Dark Souls aspect of it is always a. a, It's always hard to do, and and Lies of P nailed it. And I feel like maybe Wukong could be next year's Lies of P, where it really takes people by surprise uh, and and, and really delivers on those uh, Dark Souls elements. That's your Achilles heel with gaming, man. When Guardians of the Galaxy came out, everything could have been the next Guardians of the Galaxy. And when Lies of P, now everything could be the next Lies of P. Uh, man, I, 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 you know, but I give them the benefit of the doubt because it's it's the reason when I do that, Marco, and you'll notice this when I do that, it's because I, I had such a staunch view on what that game was going to be, and it blows me away. Like it's not what I thought it was. Guardians of the Galaxy, Lies of P, and when I do that, then I'm like, I have to stop being so judgmental based on preconceived notions. And so when I see a game that is equal to that or could be that i automatically go there and that's just kind of the way i am with everything not just games in terms of like people oh this person i thought this person was the type of way the next person that i meet that kind of makes me feel like i got it and usually i get burned but that's but that's kind of how i am how i operate as as a on a human level so when i see that i'm like okay this is i could be still it's still a two because i mean i i i i Black Myth came out strong, and then ever since, Diminishing Returns every time they show it. But, you know, a two for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, I get it. Uh, one for me. Um, listen, the, <laughs> the thing is, I it, you know, we, we, we kind of jokingly called it like the vaporware game for uh, a good stretch yeah. there. It In my brain, it still feels like that. And sure. I think the day that it comes out, um, I think it's it, it's going to be a lesser version of, of what we even hope that we we would get from it at its best because i think at this point why is it taking so long you know what i mean like that's my kind of, that, yeah. that's my big critique is like i feel like i've known about this game since the beginning of time <laughs> and it's it's still <laughs> the not dawn of time <laughs> you know the dawn of civilization and it's still not here yet so i just feel like there's there's got to be some kind of reason for that um and i think at the end of the day if i'm going to you know predict it i think 
it really is going to be just the next, you know, whoa long in my, in my brain. I just, I just don't see anything that's like, oh, wow, that's crazy. Um, I just see a game that's heavily inspired by Sekiro and um, a little bit of Ninja Gaiden. And here we are, you know, and I just, that doesn't excite me very much. So one for me. Yeah. How about, and we don't know if this is coming out for sure in 2024, but we have it penciled in Death Stranding 2. What do you think? Yeah. And we're going to talk about video game uh, weaknesses or Achilles heel. Kojima, baby. Death Stranding 2. Five. Five, five, five across the board. Not even thought, didn't even think about it twice. I'm just excited to what the next fucking insanity uh, is is going to be brought forth upon us by Kojima-san himself. So uh, the, the the sequel to, to one of my favorite games the last couple of years, and it looks bonkers it looks like he it looks like they took whatever he learned from death stranding 2 and it's like all right now i'm gonna fucking go crazy and you're like wait a minute you didn't go crazy already <laughs> so i'm excited uh death stranding 2 got a five across the board for me as someone who always loved death stranding um hey lion uh i as a firm believer in kojima who've never criticized him at any point in my <laughs> life Man, this man called Kojima a hoe. I don't recall that. I don't recall ever saying that. Um, I said he was wholesome. He's a wholesome man. Oh, my man. bad. I misheard. I misheard. Yeah, I misheard. Yeah, get some new earbuds. Um, mm-hmm. No, all jokes aside, um, I've I've been skeptical about Death Stranding, um, you know, but I came around to it and ended up really loving it a lot. And now that I'm fully in, I'm in all the way, baby. I'm here to I'm here to the wheels fall off this thing. So the wheels rust off with with the time fall, <laughs> if you will. I'm going five as well. Um, I'm I'm sold. Give me the crazy. I'm ready for some crazy, and I want to see just what he's gonna do um, with the, the the themes, the story. I'm even ready for the cringe. I know there's gonna be cringe, and I'm okay. Oh, I'm yeah. ready for the cringe too. At this point, I'm. I'll be upset. If there's no cringe. Yeah, you could say that I'm I'm healing. As uh, as someone who has been abused by Kojima over the years, maybe it's Stockholm syndrome. I don't know, but I'm 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 coming around, and I'm going to give this man some hype. So he's going to get a perfect five from me, uh, and we'll see what he comes through with, man. But uh, I do hope it comes out this year. I think that'd be a great uh, a great game to look forward to. Uh, I hope it does not Absolutely. slip to 2025. That would be so disappointing. But yeah, we'll yeah, see. yeah. A game that has been slipping, tripping, falling, <laughs> month after month, quarter <laughs> after quarter, year after year. Minute after minute, hour after hour, shout out to Coolio. Or recipes. Dragon Age Dreadwolf. What are you thinking here? Look, Dragon Age Inquisition is one of my favorite games. I'm one of the few that haven't gone back and be like, actually, Inquisition sucks. Nah, fuck you. Inquisition is great. Love that. And I am an idiot. I'm a moron. I know this game has gone through a lot of issues in terms of development hell, and yet here I am as a humble man telling you it's a five, baby. I'm excited for Dragon Age Dreadwolf all the way. I cannot fucking wait for this game. Give me more Dragon Age. Please don't be bad. Please don't be bad. Bioware's got some work to do, man, to, to I know. restore some of that image and, and get back on track. Um, if If they can do the right thing and not pull any EA hijinks and Bioware hijinks on this, they can have a really good game on their hands. But I got to come, I got to proceed with caution. I got to, I got to, I got to protect my heart. So I'm going to go with a three. I'm going to go with a nice middle of the road score. 
I'm looking forward to it, but I can't let myself get excited until I see this thing. That's the right score. Until I see That's it fully right revealed. Score. I know I, you it. Know, but I, I gotta, I gotta, I don't want to get hurt again. I don't want to. <laughs> All right, let's move on, man. Um, before my voice starts trembling. Uh, a game that I have no doubts about myself, but we got to throw it out there. Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. What are you thinking? Five. I mean, let's just get out of the way. Five. It's, come on, come on. Have you seen this fucking thing? It looks glorious in every way, shape, and form. Uh, love remake. And I cannot wait for it. That's not much I can say about this. This is a five. And if, if you're a Final Fantasy fan, if you're a fan of fucking video games, you got to be excited about Rebirth. This is going to be absolutely amazing. Cannot wait. I've never been so sure this is going to be my game of the year than I have with this. Like, no other game in, in history has made me go, oh, that's my game of the year. I know it's going to be. This is that game. I know that Final Fantasy 16 was a huge letdown for me. This is a totally different ball game uh, because it's working with an established established characters world lore and of course the the remake um from a couple years ago was just excellent stuff that i think really raised the bar for what remakes can be i think this is taking it to a whole different level everything i've seen about this looks incredible i'm on media blackout mode until this thing comes out i don't want to see another teaspoon of this game because i just know it's going to be my Um, game of the year I would be looking at the games that are coming out next year. I would be shocked if this wasn't my game of the year as well. And and if it's not, we'll we'll be the first to tell you. I know Marco, you were very high on Final oh. Fantasy sixteen, and and you had no qualms about telling people about how much you were disappointed about that game. Uh, but yeah, I would be shocked. I remember honestly, the look on Rebirth the look on your face when I said I hate this game. You looked well, at me like. Because usually we, we, we talk a little bit about we, – we tend to not well, – Marco does. I sometimes go uh, – kind of give my thoughts. I'm, I'm very expressive that way. But uh, we, we tend to try to keep conversations, uh, personal conversations about how we actually feel about a game for the podcast because it's just better. Um, but uh, yeah, Marco – who played that so good? When he told me he hated Final Fantasy sixteen. I was – elated because i was feeling the same way i'm like i think i hate this game and i just didn't know how to bring that up because i thought i was gonna well, get lambasted by you person. i don't know how you would enjoy <laughs> that yes hate it with me because i was because i was more <laughs> or less like marco's gonna go go off on me and be like how can you hate this game this game is fantastic i never go off on you today I know, um, but final fantasy would have been the one to do yeah, it yeah that's true that's true uh, all right, let's move on, Pablo. The next game on our list here, we have Greedfall to the Dying World. Uh, kind of a sequel that I didn't expect we'd get from uh, kind of a uh, one of those little hidden gem cult classic kind of games uh, with the first Greedfall. Uh, what's this doing for you? What's your excitement level here? I I always thought Greedfall was very interesting and did a lot of really good things. I just I just think that uh, it, it didn't execute on all of those. It, it was really boring by long stretches. Uh, but I am I, I I was of the mindset that I think if they were ever to make a sequel, that it could be like amazing. It could be maybe not to the extent, but it could be like Witcher Three in that where they figured it out and they got something going on in terms of like the difference between the first game and their second game. But even with all that said, I. I the studio making it and kind of like it's still not triple A. I, I kind of have to to be a little bit more cautious here and I give it a three. So I'm at a three with Grief Fall 2 of the Dying World. That's not a bad score. Um, I'm at a one um, really just because the first game didn't do anything for me. I, I thought it could be really interesting and I like the premise a, a good deal. 
but the gameplay just didn't feel good at all. The move, it, honestly, it was the it was moving my character around. It just felt yeah, like yeah. the worst thing ever. Um, and so it just felt cheap, and it felt like it was a double A studio masquerading as a triple A studio, which that can blow up in a lot of companies' faces when you don't do the basics right. And I think this the, the first game didn't do the basics right. I'm glad they're giving it another shot, but I just can't get excited about it. So I got a one for this one. Um, up next. We have uh, Helldivers 2, a PlayStation exclusive coming out next year. Pablo, what is this doing for you? Uh, nothing. Nothing at all. Not a fan of the first Helldivers. Uh, everything I see from Helldivers 2 looks fine, I guess, for people who like these kind of games. But the premise itself and, and what the game actually is does absolutely nothing for me. So obviously, this is a zero for me. Damn. Our first zero bomb goes off on the Pablo side. And I got one, too. I gave it a zero as well. Um, it's like, this is a recipe for everything Marco hates about sci-fi games, you know, like, uh, cause I, I love sci-fi as a genre, as a, as a, as a setting, but this is like everything done wrong. Like just generic sci-fi, awful looking squad based gameplay that looks like it's just way overhyped. Um, bad presentations during the, you know, when it was shown, they were doing the fake, like developers working together and pretending they were surprised about what was going on. I got your six. Uh, uh, that kind of thing. Everything about this just looks corny and it looks forgettable. And it looks like this is going to be one of those games that, um, we'll do an open critic predictions special in, in a couple weeks, but this looks like one of those games that's going to be kind of not so great on the review side, I think. Um, and that's going to be yeah. one of PlayStation's L's, uh, of next year, uh, in my opinion, but zero for me. Um, Moving right along, a franchise that's near and dear to both of our hearts, the Like a Dragon series is getting the next entry in the mainline series called Like a Dragon Infinite Wealth. Pablo, what do you got? Yeah, I will admit that a lot of the trailers and a lot of things that I saw aren't specifically blowing me away. Uh, I think, you know, they're really leaning on the silly, uh, which, you know, all these games have a lot of silly aspects. So there's a lot going on story-wise as well. Uh, but man, I, I, I love all these games so much. And I ha and, and it would be disingenuous of me to say, oh, I'm at a two or a three, because I, I honestly think that I'm... I, uh, where I'm at with it, it's a four. I I'm very excited. I cannot wait to play it. Uh, I'm not like, oh my god, I can't, you know, like, I'm dying to play it. But I am, I am, this is a game that I'm definitely looking forward to. And, uh, yeah, four. Yeah, I got a three here. Um, it would have been a four, but to be honest, and it's going to sound a little petty, the whole cancer shtick with Kiryu is like eye-rolling to me um i'm well you know what's gonna happen I'm you know what it. that story is i'm be. so yeah. that, that man better get some quick chemo and back to health uh before that game is over because if they drag that out all game long which i know they will uh let's be real um that's just gonna kind of bog down the game for me um I, I just i don't like that plot device i just never did i never will um so that's kind of bothering me everything else looks pretty fun um but that that just feels like the big giant elephant in the room that's just gonna nag me throughout most of the game so i'm 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 cautiously optimistic but i'm a little worried it's a three uh on that level um up next we're going to some nintendo stuff briefly here because we have mario versus donkey kong pablo uh what is your what is your score here? What are you doing? Uh, my score is uh, my score is lol. Uh, <laughs> no, come on, this is zero. This is uh, well, no, nonsense. Why, why uh, is it? A, come on, why? Well, well, talk to me. I just, I mean, I, I just think like the lead up, the hype, the or I should say the the leakers and people who thought this game was what it was going to be and what it ended up being a game nobody really cared much about. 
coming out. I, nobody, I don't care. I, I, zero. This is such a non-starter for me, uh, and it's weird because a lot of Nintendo stuff, even it's weird. There's a sense of, of intrigue that comes with that. That, and it's kind of like, hmm, maybe this is something I could get into. And there's no way I'm fucking playing this thing. It's a zero all the way. Yeah, this is one of those moments where it feels like. Let's milk Mario for everything we can. Not that the movie is a huge sensation. Let's yeah. put Mario and Donkey Kong in a game, and we'll title it that. And that name power is going to drive sales, and it will. It's absolutely going to do that. But it's a puzzle game. I don't need that, man. I'm sorry. And apparently it's a remaster of a game that already oh, exists. Even, so even less like, interested. Great. Yeah. So, yeah, zero for me. Um and look, I'm all for I'm all for the weirdness too, but this is just the the wrong kind of weird for me. I don't I, don't, I have no interest in it at all. All right, yeah. Marvel's Wolverine, another PlayStation exclusive, Insomniac game, still turning and burning out here. Um, what do you think about this? So, I have. I have the game out of three because I've I've seen nothing. I don't I don't know what kind of game this is. I, I don't know what exactly they're going to do. Uh, obviously, I know what they can do and what they're capable of. But a game like Spider Man and a game like Ratchet and Clank, their most recent releases, uh, Wolverine can't possibly play like those games. So I'm I'm cautiously optimistic for sure, but I can't really be too excited because this is a game that's coming out next year and we've not seen one stitch of gameplay. Uh, there's been comments as to what the game is going to be, like more R-rated, a little more more of a serious tone. That's something that Insomniac has not really done, and so therefore I'm a little cautious about that. But mostly this kind of hinges on the fact that while I'm excited for what Insomniac's next, next game is going to be, Ultimately, I've just not seen enough of it to, to really be excited about it, other than it exists. Yeah, it's totally fair. I mean, but, you know, I think for me, um, I have a lot of trust in Insomniac, so I'm going with a four here. I think that, you know, they wouldn't take on this kind of thing if they didn't have a vision for it, and they've shown mm -hmm. throughout their other franchises over the years that they don't really miss. Um, they can be a little debatable in some areas of the game, but I, th I don't think anyone can accuse them of making an outright terrible game. Uh, I don't think this is going to be any exception. I think my reason for not giving it a five is I'm I'm mostly concerned, and it might be unfounded, that um, it's going to be Wolverine of War. And it's like, here's Kratos, uh, uh, but not Kratos. And it's over the shoulder, and he's doing all the, you know, the same kind of things, and the same finishing moves, and it's just that all over again. Um, I think that can be a little redundant for the PlayStation catalog of having another one of those things going on. But um, then again, that kind of game... It sells, it gets reviewed very well, so I can totally see them doing their own equivalent of that uh, in some way, shape, or form. And that, that wouldn't excite me as much. I want to see them try to do something a little bit more unique. But um, it is a PlayStation franchise, and that's kind of what they do with the over-the-shoulder stuff, so we'll see what happens. But I'm going to give it a four uh, out of trust for Insomniac overall. Up next, do we trust Konami with Metal Gear Solid Delta Snake Eater. We talked about it earlier on the show, but it's time to give our official hype score for this game, Pablo. So where do you land here? Just the potential of what it can be, the fact that it is Snake Eater, the fact that, you know, the pre-alpha was a little bland and bare, but it still looked really good, and and it did show some iconic places from Snake Eater, and it got me pretty excited to see that. Um, and It's just all that kind of into one, and I, that's why it's a four for me. It would have been a five, uh, you know, being that it's one of my favorite games of all time, but the fact that 
the rollout and, and it being Konami, there's still a lot of questions as to what this game is going to be at the end of the day in terms of quality. So even with all that said, I still have to go for just because of the simple fact that I, I love, I love Snake Eater. It's my favorite Metal Gear Solid game of all time. Currently my number three most favorite game of all time. Uh, it's, it's amazing. So uh, I hope I hope that that carries over to the to the remake here. Yeah, I mean for me, uh, I also have a four. Um, my reasoning is because it's pretty similar. Um, look, the bad rollout's going to come and go. That's that that'll pass, and ultimately we'll be left with the game. And I think to that point, there's really only so much that they can do to screw this up if they're really, if they're leaning so closely to the source material, right down to the level design, not even changing. Um, so yeah. there's only so much they can botch here. Um, so I'm going to say that just by that standard alone, I think they, they'll get a four from me, but there is still some room to kind of be, um, a little bit of a pointless remake other than just looking better. Um, so I, I hope that there's a little bit more bells and whistles than just the eye candy, but, uh, I'll give it a four for now and we'll see what Konami does here. But, uh, moving right along, we have, uh, a remake of Persona three called Persona three reload, uh, coming early next year. I believe in February, if I'm not mistaken. Pablo, where are you landing here? I got a four on it. I, you know, obviously I've <laughs> I've put like, what, 80 hours into Persona 5, regular and real. Never beat it, admittedly, you know. I put like 30 hours into Persona uh, 4 Golden. Uh, never beat it. But I appreciate the living hell out of those games. And seeing 3 really kind of having the style and, 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 and visual fidelity of five, uh, it really gets me excited to see, you know, what a lot of people, uh, love about these games and, and seeing the inception three being one of the ones that people really love and seeing the fact that it is, um, it's getting that treatment. It's not as loved as as four or five, right. but you know, seeing the, the the remake and seeing the way it looks, I'm I'm excited. Really, am to to kind of delve into it, play it, maybe not finish it. I mean, you know, these games are are very long and and, and require a lot of people's times over ninety hours in some cases. But for, as it stands, uh, I'm excited. Four, all yeah. The way. I mean, look, you you're gonna. I think the, the gameplay itself, and you know, the way that it works with you know catching those monsters and then using them that's that's all going to be pretty much what you remember from other games um i think what'll either make or break it for you is the premise of the game uh it it has a really interesting premise um that i think you might uh maybe gravitate to more um but yeah nevertheless i have it at a uh three um I, i don't know what it is i think um I'm looking forward to it. I, I just don't know if I'm like super excited about it. It's got nothing to do with what I saw of the game. The remake looks really nice. Um, and I'm definitely going to try to finish it. I don't know. It's just for, for some reason, it's um, maybe it's because of how old the game is. Maybe it's because of Persona 3 that it's just like it's not a sexy enough remake for me. But I can I can imagine for like a super, super, super Persona fan, this is like, oh, my God, I've always wanted this kind of a thing. Um, I'm more of like I'm, I'm kind of in between casual and like moderate, you know, Persona 3 fan. So it doesn't doesn't make me do gymnastics per se, but I am looking forward to it. Um, up next, we have Prince of Persia, The Lost Crown. Prince of Persia's back, Pablo, but in the form of a 2D game, much like it's uh, classic games. Um, what are you thinking here? Yeah, I, I'm at a three. I, I mean, I've cooled down on it a little bit. I was very hype about it. Uh, the first game I ever played, 
ever my whole life was actually Prince of Persia, the 1989 PC uh, version of that. Uh, and that's kind of like my gateway into video games. But uh, seeing that and kind of the way it looks, it looks really nice. I, I like I, I like the aesthetic. I like that it's going back to this 2D uh, platformer thing. I like that Prince of Persia is back. Uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, it's still a 2D side-scrolling kind of action-adventure type of game. And so I, I, I know me. Uh, and I know that I'm definitely going to play it, uh, and, uh, you know, but I'm not, I'm not, I'd be lying if I said, oh, kind of four or five, because it's just, that's just not the case right now for, for how I feel about Lost Crown. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I, I gave it, um, I gave it a one. Um, I'm glad Prince of Persia is back, but you know, the Ubisoft dark cloud does hover over this thing. Uh, it, you know, even though it looks pretty good, that's true. it just, it, that's it, true. the fact of the matter is it's a Ubisoft game. So I have to come into it with some kind of skepticism. I've been trained to do that. I'm going to do that. Um, also, the game looks a little too hard for me uh, in, in some ways. I'm not sure if I would really enjoy the game enough to want to fight through a lot of those um, those moments where you have to kind of you have to be very quick and twitchy with your reflexes to be able to get through certain parts of the platforming in that game. I don't know if I can handle that. So I, I yeah, there's a lot of that. I'm gonna I'm gonna probably game fly that as well. It's a perfect game fly game for me. Um, low stakes kind of a thing. Um, but yeah, in terms of excitement, it's at a one for me. Uh, coming up next, we have another Nintendo game coming out. Um, Princess Peach Showtime. Pablo, what's your hype score? Yeah, like I, like I talked about uh, with Mario and uh, and Donkey Kong, the Nintendo weirdness is always it, it already gives me some kind of maybe excitement, uh, just not for that game, but for this one, I'm at it too. Uh, I think that the premise is really cool. I, I like the fact that you know Princess Peach is getting her own kind of time to shine, and I like the the way they're doing it, like a like a play, and every every level is is, is different and different game mechanic. I like that. I think it's it's interesting. I mean, it's it's probably not a game that's made for me, but ultimately uh, at a two is, is where I'd sit with it. So yeah, that's fair. Um, I have it at a two um, mostly just because my daughter would be really down to play this. So she's going to love yeah, it. This is all, this is, this has got my daughter written all over it. Um, so for that alone, I'm, I'm invested in, into getting this game for her at some point. Um, me personally, I, you know, it doesn't do a lot for me, but yeah, I'm doing it for the kids. Um, for the kids. All right, let's move on. Up next, a game that's kind of been lingering around. Uh, man, we don't know yeah. what's going on with this thing, but Replaced is uh, up next on our list. This is the 2D uh, pixel art, but cyberpunky kind of style game that uh, was, was supposed to be coming to Game Pass quite a bit uh, a long time ago. No news yet on when it's actually coming out, but it's still slated, I guess, for 2024 at this point. Uh, where are you landing at the, with this in terms of your hype score now? Yeah, this had a strong showing when it first got revealed, and you know a lot of people were excited for it. I was excited as well. Yeah. Uh, it was the standout of that of that show for sure. Uh, but with time has passed, and the fact that it is a small studio, obviously it's also a studio affected by the the war in Ukraine. Um, I think ultimately for me, it's just uh, it's just a loss. A lot of it's a luster. And so it, I'm at a two with it. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, lost a lot of momentum. Um, but, you know, to me, just, man, that aesthetic, it just does things for me, man. So the, the, irrationally, I'm, I have it at a three for hype, even though um, it's got troubled project written all over it. Um, I am fully expecting to be disappointed, but I can't help but look forward to it because it's just it's it just speaks to me. Uh, it's, it's that kind of game. Um, 
Up next, we have Rise of the Ronin. This is an interesting one. Um, you know, it could be many people think it could be a dark horse next year as one of the, the you know, secretly one of the better games that come out. Um, but what are you thinking here in terms of your hype score? Yeah, I'm at a I'm at a two. Uh, I, I'm just, again, not a game that I've seen too much of. Uh, I, it looks, I the little bit that they did show looks pretty cool and I, and I like Team Ninja, but I don't know. It's just something about it that really doesn't excite me too much about what, you know, what this is going to be. It just feels a lot like, you know, Wolong or Wukong in terms of like the, what it's trying to do, the aesthetic and, and all that. It just this doesn't really speak to me too much. So I, uh, I have an attitude. Yeah. I, I, I just can't get excited about this one either. Um, I, I like, I like team Ninja. I don't love team Ninja. Um, I, it kind of feels like their best days have long since passed. Um, I'm glad to see that they're still knocking around, but um, this game just doesn't seem like it's doing a lot for me. It feels like a, I hate to say it and distill it down to this, but it feels like a diet Ghost of Tsushima to me. Um, yeah. So it's just, I'd, I'd, it would be so unfortunate if Ghost of Tsushima 2 does come out next year and it has to compete with Rise of the Ronin and Rise of the Ronin is a PlayStation exclusive and it just totally gets, you know, cannibalized. Like that would suck, but... I, I just can't get excited about this, but I'm gonna out of respect. I'll give it a two. But not only that, like you got Wolong, Fallen Dynasty, and then before that, Strangers of Paradise. Like these games weren't great at what they were trying to execute. Yeah. So I don't know if I should feel the same about Rise of the Ronin. Yeah, same, same. It's it's a tough one. It, it was one of the harder ones I had to give a score to uh, on this list for me. Yeah. Uh, up next, we have Stalker Two: Heart of Chernobyl. Yet another troubled project, uh, you know, obviously due to some outside reasons because of the war and whatnot, but nevertheless, the game has undergone some significant delays, um, but it is slated to come out sometime next year. Um, in the event that it does, Pablo, what's your hype score? Yeah, it's a game that I always kind of felt not great about, I, you know, Speaking of rollouts, weird, you know, focuses on the teeth and, and, and certain yeah. aspects of the game that are kind of weird. And, you know, I'm sure that they're making the best game that they possibly can, specifically and especially in the conditions in which they're developing the game. But for me, as, as, as a, as a video game fan, this doesn't do too much for me, but I am mildly intrigued. So I am going to give it a two and I hope that it blows me away. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I give it a two as well. Um, I, to me, it still has the potential to be the next like Metro Exodus type of experience for me, because um, just how much it has in common there. Um, but a lot of devs from that. Yeah, team. so I, I I will always look forward to it based on that. But that's kind of all I have that I'm looking forward to it for. You know, other than that, I mean, it's nothing else has really stood out stood out because it's been under wraps um, for a variety of reasons. So I'll give it a two as well. Um, but I'm willing to go up on this if they have a nice re-reveal uh, at some point early next year to kind of get us excited again. Um, but yeah. for now, that's kind of what I got too. Um, all right. Konami back at it again, potentially getting the Silent Hill 2 remake next year. Maybe. We don't know yet for sure. But in the event that it does come out next year, Pablo, uh, with the resurgence of survival horror, as we talked about earlier, yeah. here comes Silent Hill 2 remake. What are you thinking here? 
Yeah, any probably any other year, I probably wouldn't be too excited about Silent Hill 2 in that uh, I just I was never a fan of the series. Uh, my experiences with Silent Hill, unfortunately, are the bad games or the games not received as well, like Downpour, or, you know, th- those kinds of experiences. But ultimately for me, uh, I am intrigued uh, enough to give it a three. Uh, you know, this year had a lot has a lot of uh, great survival horror games that really turned me around in a genre that I wasn't a big fan of and never really excited for games within that genre. Uh, but now I, I'm, I consider myself a, a, a at the very least a, a fan of of what those games can be, and so I'm looking forward to see what exactly Silent Hill Two uh, uh, is going to be. So uh, three, yeah, I got I got a five here, and it's it's. Uh my rational brain would probably give it a three or a four uh, because it's Bloober Team. But five because, I mean, good God, I never thought I'd see Silent Hill come back again. And it's here. And, um, you know, I, I will give them credit. When they revealed the game, it looked really, really good. Um, it did. So if, if this is Bloober's dream game that they always wanted, you finally got Silent Hill. You made a bunch of nonsense horror games, the medium and all that other stuff. Okay, this is the one you've been wanting. You got it. I'm going to give you one last shot to show me you know how to make a truly, undeniably great horror game. So I'm going to give them a five. This is my one and only trust fall for them. And if they screw this up, I don't want to hear blooper, blabber, blocka, nothing. I don't want to hear them. Nothing. Um, So we'll see. Um, Moving right along... Senua Saga Hellblade 2, Pablo, Xbox exclusive, coming in 2024. What are you thinking here? I'm at a four with this one. I'm excited. Uh, I'm really looking forward to it. Obviously, the first game ever revealed for the Xbox Series X, along with the Xbox Series X, what they showed was fucking mind uh, melting. I thought it was phenomenal. I think the first Senua was decent. It had a lot of really cool things. It looks like they're really, they're really expanding upon what they've created and they're making something that I feel is going to be one of the best games of next year. Uh, you know, obviously that can all just, it all could all come out and just be more of the first game and I wouldn't be as excited, but it just feels like they're really doing a lot here. You know, they, I want to see more, but as it stands right now, I'm at a four. Yeah, this was a tough one for me because um, I'm, I'm very frustrated at, at Ninja Theory for not showing a lot of the actual game. It's a lot of like, look at our tech, look at how great the faces look. And then a couple yeah, months yeah. later, it resurfaces again. No, really. Look at how good our faces look. Like, okay, man, I get it. This game's going to be gorgeous. We're taking pictures. Yeah, dude. Guys, photorealistic. Real locations. Yeah. It's all photorealistic. It's all it, lovely. Show me the gameplay, you know? Like, that. I, I want to give this a five so bad. I really do. But I just haven't seen enough pure-ass gameplay of this at all to even know what I'm getting myself into. So, and I tweeted something to that effect. Like I'm excited for this game, but I don't know why, (laughs) you know, um, other than the presentation values. So I'm going to give it a four because, uh, it, again, that that does seem like there's a lot of confidence in this game, uh, internally at Xbox, but I'm, I am getting a little tired of sort of squirming in my seat, waiting to see actual gameplay of this game. So it's time to start showing this thing, uh, hopefully. Um, but, up next, Pablo, your favorite game and mine, <laughs> Skull and Bones. Pablo, I feel like we've given hype scores to this game forever. And I will say, this yeah. is one of the few times where a game has has stayed on our, our 
upcoming games list, and I I never get bored talking about this game because of how much I hate its existence. Yeah, I think it's funny because I think every time we've spoken about Skull and Bones in terms of giving it a hype score, I think it, it's just like two, one. Because right now I'm at a oh, zero, at an, I, absolute man. I'd go negative one if I could. Yeah, it, there's nothing, absolutely nothing about this game that is interesting to me. It's it's only like a decade too late. It was trying to kind of, uh, you know, yeah. uh, whatever Black Flag did, and they're trying to kind of make make something out of that. But no, man, no, nothing about this game. And then what it turned out to be like a game at service. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah, it was ridiculous. From I don't want to do with this. I, it's yeah. crazy. This game was supposed to come out shortly after Sea of Thieves. That feels like forever ago, man. That's nuts. Like. It was forever ago. Yeah, it's just like and whew. and it, it it got a release date, and apparently the release date internally is also a delay because they were trying to release it early, early next year, and now it's like March or something. So yeah. don't want it, don't need it. Um, but any, anyway, let's move on. Up next, the game we talked about a little while ago on the show, Star Wars Outlaws, Pablo. If indeed it does come out in 2024, regardless of, I guess, what quarter, um, what's yeah. your hype score for this one? You said something about Senno Saga and Hellblade 2, Hellblade 2 when you said, I'm excited for this game and I don't know why. I'm at the opposite <laughs> with Star Wars Outlaws. I'm not excited for this game and I don't know why. I, I think it's, a, it's the Ubisoft of it all. I Maybe I'm a little burnt out on the Star Wars as a whole. Um, I really love Survivor this year. Uh, but in terms of what I saw... It looked really nice. Uh, it had all the makings of a, of a really good game, sure. But something about it just wasn't really clicking with me. But with that said, just the visual fidelity, the fact that it still is Star Wars and it could be good. I, I'm somewhere in the middle. I'm at a three with it. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, I'm not interested in this game at all. Because if this game is 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 even like if it's like a gets like a seven and a seven point five or something like that. I'm gonna definitely play it. So I'm at a three. Yeah, man. Um, I, I totally understand where you're coming from. Um, I think this is a one of the. It, it can be a top five game for me if it if it wants to be. Um, but yeah, I think um, I liked the debut of the game just fine. It was pretty inspired and pretty interesting. Um, but I just think again, it's. Ubisoft syndrome for me. I, I, I hate to be such a broken record, but how can Ubisoft figure out a way to screw this up? Oh, they can get creative. Um, so that's kind of my, my, my looming fear. Um, and then the possibility of <laughs> microtransactions and other weird, goofy stuff they might try to do with this game. Um, I just, it, it's hard for me to buy in. So I, it is, it, it epitomizes the wait for reviews type of game for me. Um, and, yeah. and, and then I'll go from there, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm playing it safe, keeping it at a three for right now. Um, up next, a game that was supposed to, I think come out this year for PlayStation that didn't, um, now probably a next year game. We don't know for sure. Stellar blade. Yeah. Uh, I have a one here. Uh, nothing about what they showed when they first revealed kind of interested me to begin with. And the fact that they've been silent, like weirdly silent about this game after so many people were really excited about stutter blade and it being exclusive to PlayStation. And so the fact that, that, uh, that it, they've been pretty much radio silent since then is, is worried, worrisome for me, but I, I still give it a one just to see this game could be great. I mean, it could be sure. Uh, but ultimately for me, there's just nothing about it that really excites me too much so one yeah that's that's fair that's super super fair 
Um, I still kind of semi-foolishly have it at a three. Um, it looked really good. I think the gameplay looked really nice and the presentation looked really cool too. Um, I'm a little concerned about the storyline and how interesting that's going to be. But um, to me, I think it has, it still has some potential in my brain to be one of those like bottom top 10 games or maybe even a good honorable mention for me. So I'm still going to give it a three yeah. um, and we'll kind of see what happens when we see it again next time, hopefully sooner than later. Um, I almost gave it a two for two jiggly boobies. Okay. Up next. Before he gets into Areola talk, uh, <laughs> a game that kind of has a name that describes my mood right now after hearing that <laughs> Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League. <laughs> um, all right, Pablo, this game uh, had its share of backlash this year. We all know the kind of what went down. Um, but now that the dust has settled and we have a new release date to look forward to, um, how are you feeling here? Foolishly, I'm, I'm at a one. Uh, because it should be zero. I mean, everything they showed about this game did absolutely nothing for me. It took the, a, a really interesting and bold premise and just took a huge shit on it. <laughs> uh, and it's been delayed uh, till uh, sometime next year. So we'll see what that is. But it is rock steady. Um, and maybe they're, they're going to do something to, to make it less shitty. Uh, so I am at a one with it. Uh, but. It's not a confident one. Yeah, that's understandable. Um, yeah, I mean, look, um, I have it at a zero. Um, it's already hard enough to get me excited about most comic book-based games as it is. You, you do what they did with the microtransactions and all the, the, the same junk we've seen from every game that wants to nickel and dime people for extra money. And you just get a game that just does absolutely zero for me. Um, so yeah, literally a zero, um, not much to say about it. Just not, it's not going to do it for me at all. Um, I'd be, sh I'd be shocked if it took, if it took off. I mean, I, I, my only hope is that they took these, these extra months to completely eradicate all of the live service gunk they were going to throw in the game and make it more traditional and just call it a day and, um, maybe be slightly better, uh, have a better reputation than Gotham Knights did. Um, even though I think Gotham Knights, kind of looks like a more interesting game compared to this one. That's just me. Um, even though both yeah. games have problems, this one looks the most uh, ugh to me. Um, up next, we're not fighting game fans, Pablo, but Tekken 8 is a big part of next year's crop of titles. Curious to know if this does anything for you in terms of hype. No, I've had a one with it, and that has nothing to do with what I've seen from Tekken. Uh, I think Tekken always looks great. I think Tekken 8 looks just as good as all mm -hmm. the other Tekkens. I'm just not a huge fighting fan to begin with, and Tekken was, even though it was a game I, I played a lot on PS2, uh, Eddie, uh, Eddie Guerrero, or Eddie, Eddie Guerrero. I forgot. <laughs> Gordo? And, and, and that was the, the Capoeira, Eddie Gore, yeah, Gore, the Capoeira guy. I used to love him and cheese the shit out of him. Uh, but ultimately for me, even as I even grown, uh, older, I, I've, I've gone away from, from, from fighting games. Haven't even played Street Fighter, have no desire to do that. Uh, but yeah, out of one. Yeah, Tekken always had this like innate cool factor to it, and it is part of my old school PlayStation 1 lineage uh, in a pretty big way, so I always give it more attention um, when, it, when it comes around. Uh, so I'm giving, it, uh, I'm giving it a two. You know, just out of respect from you know for the history that I have with the series, but um, you know, I I'm not a big fighting game fan either. But it does look really, really good. It looks like a lot of fun, and it should be, uh, by all accounts, a great game for a lot of the fans of Tekken. So, uh, looking forward to the game on your behalf if you're one of those people. But yeah, just kind of one of those like uh, maybe I'll game fly that down the road kind of thing, like like I did with Mortal Kombat. You know, same kind of deal. Yeah. 
Uh, but moving on, getting to the last couple of picks here, we have the Plucky Squire as our next game. Pretty unique one. What are you thinking? Yeah, I'm, I'm at a four with oh. it. I even even what they've shown still is is still kind of amazing. I I, I love the way it looks. I love the premise. I, I love the art style. Uh, they seem to be confident. Uh, I think uh, it, it just it's it's so unique. Uh, it, it, there's so much about it that's work that works for me, and I, I can't wait to play it. It's definitely a game that I have uh, on my radar, and I can't wait for it to to finally uh, come out next year. So yeah, four. Yeah, I love the the premise of the game. The art style looks really cool. I I just think it, it has that potential to be um, you know one of those um, media darlings um, that come out. Um, probably won't it won't do much in terms of sales or anything like that. But it could be one of those like weird ninety one ninety two games that you know come out on Open Critic that make you go, "Damn, what is that?" Um, but had my eye on this one for a while, but um, it's just a little bit out of pocket for what I tend to play. So I'm giving it a two, but that could go up to like a three or a four if the reviews really go crazy and it's like, you know, like a must play this year for some reason. Yeah. Um, all right. We have up next The Wolf Among Us 2. Um, obviously, we know, you know, this is a, a big comeback game uh, for Telltale, but Telltale's been kind of in a weird space, right? So where are you at with this one? Yeah, I mean, look, uh, I think that uh, uh, I blanked out on the on the game that came, just came out. Uh, the Expanse. They did. Sorry, The Expanse. You know, started off strong, didn't end as strong as I wanted it to be. A little worried because uh, any other, you know, if that game were to if that game would have hit as hard as I wanted it to, The Wolf Among Us two would have been a five for sure. But I'm still super excited for it. Uh, I, I can't wait. I can't wait to see more of this and, and see what Bigsby Wolf has been up to and and what 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 they do with this game because this is this is definitely something that they have to hit out the park and i hope that they that they do that i hope that the delay to next year was because they were getting all the other pieces right to it and i but yeah so i'm at a four with it as it stands yeah um i'm at a three uh i would have been at a five full stop but the 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 telltale layoffs that happened and these like assurances that no the game is still coming along and it's still going to be fine like i just have a hard time believing them uh at this point with how many people that they got out of there uh and some of those people that got um booted were like i don't know if that game's coming out guys (laughs) so i'm like oh crap that sucks so i i'm gonna hope that they're being honest and saying that it is going to come out but even if it does at this point, like what kind of quality is it going to be at if if they did layoffs in the midst of its development? You know what I mean? So like I have to give it a three, um, you know, and, and that's kind of combining my, my fanfare, but also my realistic expectations based on kind of like the, the team drama that went on uh, as of yeah, late. Yeah. So we'll see. Uh, getting down to our last two games here, we have Towerborn, an Xbox exclusive coming out next year. Uh, what are you thinking here, man? Got out of three, you know, I'm always a fan of like Stoic Studios because they were, uh, uh, it was created by three ex Bioware staff members when Bioware was at, the, at its peak. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, Banner Saga was, they're, they're really interesting and, and really cool games. Uh, and this looks really awesome. Uh, so I'm excited to see what this game reviews like and, 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 and ultimately how it plays. But it, it, it looks like a game that I can, uh, I can really sink my teeth into it if, if it turns out to be as good as, as I'm expecting it to be. So, uh, out of three. Yeah, that's fair. Um, yeah, I mean, I think for me, I got it at a two. And I, if I'm just being honest with myself, it doesn't look like my kind of game. It really doesn't. But it does look like it's a, it could be a good quality game overall. So I'm, I'm kind of rooting for it for people who are interested in it. 
I don't know if it's going to be a game that I'm going to run to and be like, oh my God, I have to get my hands on this. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'm excited to see what they do with it. Um, and you're right. They do have you know, a pretty good you know, portfolio, and I, I, I hope that that translates to this new IP. Uh, and our last game on the list, Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines 2, Pablo, uh, a series that is pretty near and dear to you uh, from the first uh, Bloodlines game. We are getting a sequel after all. It got re-revealed, new developer. Now what's your hype score with that in mind? There should be no reason why it's a four, but it's a four. I mean, look, you want to talk about the epitome of development hell. Oh, man. Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines 2 takes the cake. I mean, has been being bounced around by developers. Uh, when it first showed, it looked good for a time and for its time. And then as, as it, they showed more of it, it, it aged terribly because it just took so long. It was taking so long to make. Uh, now it's being pretty much just remade from the ground up where it has been. Uh, and I'm, I'm I'm excited, man. I've, I I always want more of, of these kinds of games. All we've gotten was really shitty fucking spinoffs that just don't work. Oh, uh, you know, there's no way to play Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines outside of PC right now, which is kind of disappointing. But I I want to I, I want to believe. Uh, and so I'm not at a five because of the simple fact that the game is is gone through hell. Uh, but I am still foolish, foolishly at a four because I just want this game to be so good. I, I need it to be good. I, I just need it to yeah, be good. Yeah, I get you, man. Um, I didn't play the first game. It's one of my biggest gaps in my portfolio as a gamer, but I'm going to give this a three. Um, this has potential to be a top five game for me if they play their cards right. Yeah. I, oh, yeah. I'm sold on this world, the, the aesthetic, the style, the grittiness, the grit. Oh, I love all that stuff, man. It's, it's nailing that for me, almost like in a cyberpunk kind of way. Um, but in that like, yeah. rundown gothic kind of style, um, it's got that in the bag. It's just going to come down to gameplay. And if I'm going to feel the effects of like the development hell come through in, in some kind of way, that, sure. that's what worries me. Otherwise, I think it could be pretty solid. So I'm going to give it a three out of, you know, just like a, you know, cautiously optimistic kind of three. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm definitely going to be um, checking in on you when you eventually play it to see if it's something I should swing around and play. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to it. Um, hey, I. I got a bit of a wild card here. Uh, something that might come out next year, but they, had, they haven't really talked about it much. And that's uh, Judas, the Ken Levine oh, uh, yeah. game hmm. that's coming out next year. If you were to give that game a hype score, what would it be? I'm going to go four. I'm going to go four on that one because I think I think that he's he's probably got a really good concept. And I, I do trust that part of it. Um, but is that... Ken Levine arrogance going to seep into the experience too much like it has to me with like Bioshock Infinite in in that way where it was like all right now you're just trying to be impressive at this point like okay um, get out of your own ass kind of a thing and and that's what I'm most worried about but I I I think that he's got something pretty cool um, that warrants why it took so long for this game to to surface Um, so I'll give it a four. Yeah, I'm at a four as well uh, for all of, all the reasons that you said. I also one of the things about Infinite that that uh, based off of um, off of Jason Schreier's book is that, and even even uh, even part two was uh, of of of, um, of Bioshock two was the fact that you know big studio behind it pushing him to really release the game as fast as possible. But now this looks Judas looks like they're giving him time. Yeah, and it looks like he has an infinite amount of time. 
And uh, I think that this game is going to be great. I think it's going to be the game that we've always wanted from him. Uh, and I'm excited. Um, the only reason I'm not at a five is because uh, I, 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 there's still that Ken Levine-ness to it. And I, I want to see more. But as it stands, that's, that's a four all the way for yeah. me. I have an audible for you as well. But it's not a game that I want you to give a hype okay. score for. I want you to give me a hype score for the entire year of gaming. How excited are you for next year's batch of games if what we have on our list is true uh for the most part or all the way what would you say is your anticipation level five really if, if it's a five yeah i mean look i, I guess compared to this year it could be a four but if, if, if vampire the masquerade is is a slam dunk and and sandy was saying hellblade is also a slam dunk and and all these other games that we talked about today are, are as good as we expect them to be uh that's stranding, you know, a fucking rebirth. Like it's just these. I just want to play all these games. I so it would. I'm at a five right now. If all if all if we only got Death Stranding, Rebirth, Vampire the Masquerade, Sandals Saga, Hellblade, and and the, and they were all like fucking nineties. That's it. Best year of gaming, right? There's just it just there are too many things that I love about games that are coming out next year as well as like just like this year. Um, yeah, I have to go five. Yeah, I'm actually surprised. I thought you were gonna go like a three or something because I'm actually at a five um, myself as well, and I am because I think this year really kind of. I don't know. It it left me with some PTSD because there was so many like high profile games that I was looking forward to that, and in almost all of them, with the exception of a handful, let me down in some capacity. Um, and so it turned out like 2023 for for me is a year that looked great, like an all time classic on paper. But so many games were misses that I was looking forward to that. Now I I, I kind of feel like it was too top heavy with like the big 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 name games, whereas this upcoming year 2024 it looks much more spread out like there's a there's a much better spread of like there's a couple of like the big big names there's some of those middle of the road games there's some games that are kind of like no one's really talking about but they can they can be dark horses like it reminds i i enjoyed i'm one of the few people that love 2022 in gaming i loved last year um, people, most people hated it because it was people felt it was dry. We're still feeling pandemic effects with delays and stuff. I thought it was an excellent year because it it gave me time to play games I wouldn't normally try, and I'm getting a lot of that same energy from 2024 um, in a way that I'm really really looking forward to. Uh, very intriguing yeah. games on this list for sure. Probably some more additions to come as we get some more firm release dates um, as the months progress, and we'll keep you guys posted on that. But that's going to do it for our 2024 games preview, ladies and gentlemen. Hope you enjoyed that, and I hope you enjoyed this show. That is going to do it for us this week. We hope you loved what you heard. If you did, please subscribe to us so you don't miss our future episodes, including our year-end coverage, which is starting next week as we give out letter grades to the big three. Xbox, Nintendo, and PlayStation are all going to get reviewed by yours truly and Pablo as well. Um, So stick around for that in the weeks to come. In the meantime, thank you for listening. Enjoy your games, and we'll see you next week.